Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. The series we have been looking into, we have been looking into the gifts we can bring. And we started this series two weeks ago. And two weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 51. And we were looking at David's life out of Psalm 51. If you remember, Psalm 51 is David penning this psalm right after David was confronted with his sin. If you know David's story, you know that David's sin was horrific, and it was, um, it was just an absolute tragedy. But I am grateful that God's Word gives us and reminds us that his leaders and his people do make mistakes here. But David, in the midst of his sin, and after he had committed adultery, and then lied, and then tried to cover, and then had a man killed, the prophet Nathan came and confronted him. And David recognizes something in that psalm, that he can't bring anything to the Lord to make this right. He can't do something for the sins that he had done. And David in Psalm 51 pens this. This is verses 16 and 17. It says this, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. David recognizes the only thing he can bring to God for all the sins that he was just confronted with, all the lying, the adultery, the murdering, everything, he says, Lord, you don't desire a sacrifice. You don't desire an offering. You desire a broken heart. And we talked about that, about how we as believers, we as Christ followers, that's the only thing we can bring to the Lord. We can't somehow make ourselves right before God. We can't do enough good deeds or any of that stuff. It is purely saying, God, I'm broken before you. And what that does is that it makes us say, God, I need you. It pushes us to recognize our need for Christ in our lives. That the work that Christ did on that cross, how he died for our sins. Well, this week I want to continue on in talking about the gifts we can bring. The is the gift of death. You might be wondering, pastor, that seems pretty crazy. But as we look at scripture and as we continue on this morning, we should expand more upon that. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Romans chapter 6. We're going to be looking at 11 verses out of Romans. I'm going to ask for you to stand this morning as we read Romans 6, starting in verse 1 through 11. God's Word says this. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 5. For we have been united with him in death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. 
For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, this morning as we look to you, as we look to your word, Father, I ask that you would come and encourage us and challenge us this morning. Father, I thank you that we can gather that we can bring honor and glory to you. Lord, come and speak to us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You guys may be seated here. This section in Romans, we are, I, I really do not enjoy jumping into a book midway through because I haven't given you the proper history of what is happening here. But Romans chapter 6 we are kind of jumping into the middle of Paul's argument here. Paul, within the book of Romans, I can give you a quick summary. He basically points out that all of mankind, whether you're a Jew or a Greek, which in his writings that was a big deal to the people he was writing to, he basically is making this argument that mankind, they've all fallen short. That mankind has all sinned. For all man has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Paul is starting to make this argument on how is a man made right before God? And he talks about Abraham in chapter 4. And then in, in chapter 5 he talks about how it is by God's grace we are saved and it's by the means of faith that our faith in Jesus Christ justifies us before God. Well, that's going to spark a question. Because he is writing to people that are used to following a list of rules, of do's and don'ts to the people, especially to the Jewish people. The Jewish people had God's law. They knew. They would look at the law and say, okay, I can't do this. And, and it was basically a list for many of them. And Paul is writing this to them, and they have got a question. And Paul is going to answer this question. Because in their mind, if we are made right before God through faith in Jesus then does that mean we can live however we want to live? Right? Like, if our actions do not justify us before God, then doesn't that mean that we can just kind of do whatever we want to do? Live however we want to live? Do whatever we see fit? Because we're not saved by actions. We're saved by God's grace through faith. And Paul is writing this to them. And in chapter 6, he is about to answer this question. Shall you continue to sin? And, and I, I want us to be talking about this today because I believe this section of Scripture is so foundational to the Christian that we have to understand what is happening in Romans 6. And I mentioned that today's message is titled, The Gift That We Can Bring Is Death. We have to understand this basic Christianity doctrine here coming out of Romans 6, because I believe that if we as believers, if we as Christians can understand this, everything else as we follow Christ falls simply into line. But if we don't understand this one concept taking place here, Christianity and us following Christ, it becomes 
it becomes a list of do's and don'ts. So Paul here is addressing this question. Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Are we continuing to sin that grace may abound? He just got done arguing. You are justified by God by what he has done for you. He has given you this grace upon your life. And he says, should we just keep on sinning? Verse 2. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in sin? He's saying, listen, just because you are saved by grace, that doesn't mean that your life, that you can continue to live however you want to live. You can't just continue to live in sin so that God's grace will just cover your sin. Now, God's grace does cover all of our sins. I want to be making that crystal clear this morning. That God's grace is sufficient for you and for me of all of our past sins, our current sins, and our future sins. But Paul is making this reason here in Romans 6. Why can we not continue to live a life of sin? Verses 3 and 4. He says this, he says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Question mark there. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We get this beautiful allegory here, basically. And Paul brings up baptism. He says, do you not know that when you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death? Here at Woodland Church, how we do, how we do baptisms and, and how baptisms have been going on for, for many, many years is that when somebody gets baptized, they go into the water and we take that person and we bury them into the water. Not because we want to drown them, okay, that's not the purpose there, but, but, but basically baptism is this beautiful symbol that, that you are getting buried with Christ, that you are dying with him. And Paul points this out that, do you not realize that when you were baptized, you were buried with him? It's like baptism is a symbol of us saying, Christ, I'm dying with you. Baptism represents this union we have with Christ, that we're going to be buried with him. And when we dunk people into the water, it's us saying, I'm, gonna, I'm here and I'm dying with Christ. And that's ultimately why we do baptisms how we do. We did them this past summer, but it's this idea that we are getting buried, that we're going down with him. We come and we die with Christ. The call to Christ in this world, the call that Christ has upon our lives, is very, very simple. And I don't know if you realize this, but I'm telling you this is foundational to understanding and being a Christ follower. That Christ, when he came, he calls men and women to come and to die. To die with him. Mark chapter 8, verses 31 and 33. I want to read these verses quickly to us. He says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things 
and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes to be killed. And after three days, rise again, verse 32. And he said this plainly. Basically saying, I said this plainly. I'm, I'm here to die. They're going to kill me. And Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man. Jesus is plainly telling him, I came here to die, Peter. And Peter, who I love Peter, if you ever read the New Testament, watch Peter. Peter's going to be talking all the time, and Peter's going to, he's going to say stuff that's just like, what are you saying here, Peter? And here, Peter's looking at Jesus, and he's saying, no, Jesus, this can't be true. You're the Son of God. You're our Messiah. You are our Lord. And Peter's like, Jesus, you you can't die. Come on, Jesus. And Jesus rebukes him. He says, get behind me, Satan. For you have your mind set on, for you do not have your mind set on things of God. Peter wanted to preserve Jesus. Peter wanted Jesus to just keep on doing what Jesus was doing. Peter could not comprehend this idea that the Savior that had come was going to die. Look at verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Many people misquote this verse right here. And maybe you have done this, and maybe you have seen this done, and maybe I don't want a show of hands here to see who has misquoted this. But oftentimes when people think of this idea of picking up their cross and following Jesus, they think of that's a call for us to do difficult things, right? People have said, well, this is the cross I bear, But if we think about this, what is Jesus talking about here? Is Jesus just simply saying, pick up your cross and follow me? Meaning, pick up your cross and do difficult things. You know, you know as you follow Christ, it, you'll just have to be tolerant of some situations, and it will just be a difficult life, and, and there will be difficult things ahead here. Where does this cross end? Have you ever thought about this? When Jesus looked at his disciples and the people and said pick up your cross and follow me where does the cross end it's not just about doing difficult things it's not just about well god called me to do this one difficult task and and i'm just going to kind of do this one difficult thing here the cross ends in death picking up your cross and following jesus is not just saying i'm going to pick up my cross and and just have to deal with a difficult situation. Picking up our cross and following Christ, Jesus is literally saying, I want you to pick up your cross and follow me. Follow me to death. Follow me to where this cross ends. The cross ends only in death. And it's so important for us to really grasp this. Because so many people, 
So many people come and follow Christ, especially in our nation. They come and they follow Christ and they think they can follow Christ by just adding Christ to their life. That like, hey, I'm, I'm just simply adding Christ in and, you know, I got a lot of things going on, but I know I kind of need a little bit of religion and I should probably have, have Jesus in my life. And I like this idea that Jesus came and he, he died for me and he forgives me. But the call is to come and to die. Look at verse 35, the very next verse. Jesus says it plainly here. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. We get this picture that Jesus answers here. This is how things are going to end. If you want to save your, your life, the call is to come and die and to lose our lives. To lose it all. That's the call Jesus is making plainly to his disciples here. That if you really want to save it, if you really want to save your life, you got to come and you got to lose it. You got to come and you got to die with me. But how do we lose our lives, Jesus? I think it's, I think it's the most difficult thing we as human beings will ever do. Because it's, it's a complete bending of our will. Our lives is simple. When we want to save and live for us, it's just, it's our plans. It's our ways. It's whatever we want to do. It's our will. And Jesus is saying, I want you to come and I want you to die with me. I want you to lose your life for my sake. And it's this question that we have to ask ourselves every single day as a Christ follower. Jesus, whose will will be done today? Is today my will or is today your will? Am I going to bend my life to you or am I going to hang on to my life for me? And it's the most difficult thing we are called to do as believers in Christ. And I, but it's so vital. It's so vital to us being a Christ follower because so many people, they just want to add Jesus. And it's like, it's not about adding Jesus. And it's not about saying one little prayer at one point in time when you were 12 and you think, well, I'm good. It's about us bending our lives and saying, Jesus, you're everything. Jesus, I'm going to identify myself with you. I'm going to come and I'm going to die as you have died. I will be crucified as you were crucified. I'm going to die with you, Jesus. But it doesn't end there. Like I said, this is, I think about this one daily, guys. And that verse, anyone who wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever wants to lose his life, I'm already misquoting it. <laughs> whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. I remember I was a Christian for probably about a month. Right, I was 19, I came to follow Jesus. Some friends of mine I had met shared the gospel with me. I gave my life to the Lord in a 1984 Buick with no exhaust, driving down Interstate 43 to Green Bay, Wisconsin. And about a month later, after I started reading God's Word daily, I came across that verse. 
Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. And I started dwelling on that verse. I just started asking questions. And I remember talking to my pastor. What does this verse mean? What does this look like, pastor? How do we, how do we live this out? Like say, if Jesus is calling us to lose our lives for the sake of him, how do we lose our lives? And I re- remember my pastor was patient with me because he probably saw all of the mistakes I was still doing and all the sin that was still rampant within my own life as a young follower of Christ. And he just kept on encouraging me, Jeff, it's about coming every single day. Every single day. Coming and dying with him every single day. It's not just a one-time prayer or just a one-time thing, but it's just this daily thing that we are called to do to just bend our lives to his will and to his plans and for us just to die to ourselves every single day. This call of death. But I said that it doesn't end there. And it gets good. So I don't want you to feel too depressed right now. Like, Pastor, you're just harping on me this morning. All I have to do is come and die and I don't really want to die. I kind of enjoy my life and I kind of want to do the things I want to do and I'm going to tell you this. It's worth it. Romans. Back to Romans 6, verse 5. He says this. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly, if you have your Bibles, circle that word, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection life. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The call for us, church family, the gift that we can bring this season is a gift of us coming and dying with Christ. But God's word says this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. See, what happens, church, is that there's this paradox that kind of takes place here. If you want to live, you must die. If you don't die, you will never live. It's this weird paradox here, but it's the call that God gives to all creation. The call is to come and die. And what happens There's this beautiful exchange that takes place. We come to God with all of our sin and all of our filth and all of our shortcomings, everything that we could possibly have done wrong, and we come to Him and we say, we're dying with you, Jesus. All of our sin, all of our garbage in our lives. And there's this beautiful exchange that takes place. It's that we come and die then we live with him. There's this promise. As Christ was raised 
from the dead, you too will walk in this newness of life. And it's this exchange that has to take place. And I've said this throughout the message today, and it is a difficult exchange. It is so difficult because we have to come and we have to admit that we've been wrong. We have to come, we have to admit that we have sinned, that we have fallen short. We have to come humbly. And we say, God, I I need you. Christ, I need what you have done for me. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace upon my life. And then we, then we exchange lives. And we say, Christ, here is my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die with you. I'm going to give everything I have to you. And then this exchange takes place. And we have everlasting life. And the life that we wanted, or we thought that we somehow wanted there, we die with Christ and then he gives us newness of life, his word says. And I said earlier that this is foundational for us being a Christian. Because I've seen this play out far too often, and and I can only speak on this within our own context, but I see this happen a lot within our culture. That there is this idea that that like because you show up to church on Sunday and you maybe do some spiritual things, that somehow like that like makes you right with God. The only way we are right with God is by God's grace. And it comes through faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone. But what happens is that this exchange takes place. And I believe this is foundational for us as a Christian. And I want us to be encouraged and challenged this Christmas season. God, what gift can I bring to you this season? It's the gift of our lives. Saying, God, like here, here, here is my life. You know, when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I'm going to teach you how to pray. You guys know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. His will, his plans, his kingdom, it turns over instead of us living in our own worlds and us saying, what can I get out of this life? It's saying, God, I want to give my life to you. And he gives us life. It's this beautiful, mysterious exchange that happens, but it must happen. It must take place. And I want to just challenge you guys this Christmas season to bring the gift of your life to Christ. If you have never made that commitment, if you have maybe been attending church and you have always said, well, I I just believe in Jesus. And I'm going to say Jesus looked at his disciples back then and said pick up that cross and follow me if you want to save your life you must lose it with me it's difficult church family it's the most difficult thing you will ever do because every single day your will will be knocking on the door i want you to do what you want to do and every single day we have a chance to say christ i belong to you Christ, I believe in the work that you've done on that cross. And Jesus, I am yours. Every aspect, I am yours, Lord. And it's difficult. But I'm telling you, church, it's worth it. It's worth it because of the promises God gives us. Do you not realize that you are dead 
in Christ, that you were buried with him. And because you are dead and because you are buried with him, you will rise. You will have a resurrection just like his, that you will be risen up to heaven when you breathe your last breath on this side of heaven, that you will no longer die. The only way to live is to die, according to God's word. And it's the challenge we have. It's a challenge we face every single day. I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to me as well because it's, it's so easy to get caught up in this me world that we live in. I can't tell you how much it drives me nuts when I hear people say, I just need a me day. It's just like, I'm just like, <laughs> that is the opposite of what Jesus has called us to. It's not about me, it's about him and his glory and what he has done and it's absolutely worth it. It's 100% worth it to give our lives to Christ because of the promises he has given us. It's going to be worth it. That day when we stand before him and you might be listing off, well, I gave up this and I, did, you know, I sacrificed this. You're going to look at him and you're going to say, I should have sacrificed more. God, I wanted to give everything to you. It will be worth it, church family, because we're going to live a resurrection life when we see him. And he gives us new life now. That's the most amazing part, is that we come to him and he gives us new life today. He takes our old sins and he washes them clean and he gives us new life. But the challenge is for us to come and die with him. And that's the gift I want to challenge you guys to be bringing this, this Christmas here. To be thinking about, Lord, Lord, what can I bring to you? Lord, as we, as we open up gifts on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, I want you to be thinking about, God, the gift I give you is my life. I give it all to you, Lord. Lord, help me every single day to live this out. Help me to come and to die to myself every single day because, Christ, I want to live with you. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have selfish moments. We all do. But it's just this bending of our will. God, here, here's my will. God, these are all of my plans, but I, I bend my plans to your plans. And I'm telling you, church, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it because God's word says it will be worth it. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I want to pray for you this morning. And the worship team sang a song. And I want to re-sing that song if the worship team will, will uh, come back up. And in that song, it talks about what Christ has done for us. It says, how many kings have stepped down from their throne? And it's asking these questions. And the reality is, is this is what Christ has done for us, church. Christ has stepped down. He came to this earth for us. And I want us to give honor and glory to him this morning. And I want to pray for us before we do so. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for how you love us, Father. How you came and how you died for sinners like me. Father, as we, as we think about you this Christmas season, remind us daily, Lord, the gift we can bring is ourselves. For us to come and die with you because you are worth it, Lord Jesus. Lord, as we sing these words, remind us this day that you are worth it. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name.